What's happening, brother? How are you, bro? What's going on? I'm doing all right. I'm going to call this guy John and get this thing going here. I'm, I'm, I'm in transit, man. That's okay. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be... Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in transit. I'm, I'm going to be getting out of the car in a couple minutes. That's always your, that's always your deal. You're always in transit. Oh, uh, what am I going to tell you, my brother? All right, ready? Hold Wait. on, hold, hold on one second, brother. Hold on one second. Hold on, I gotta add yeah. into this conversation. John, yeah, John I'm here. Hey, John, can you hear me? It's Phil. Yeah, I know who it is. <laughs> and it's Nino. Nino, can you hear John? Hey, John, how you doing? All right, how are you, Nino? Fantastic, cold. And welcome to the first edition of the Coming to America Baseball Podcast here in 2013. Privileged to have today John Gibson, writer for Yamiuri Daily, has covered Japanese baseball uh, for quite some time, nearly two decades. And of course, Mike Nino, who has coached guys not quite like Matsui, but close. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Uh, First, my memory of uh, Matsui was in 02 at Koshien Stadium when the Tigers met the Giants. I heard about him. Uh, he broke the game open late with the, with the double. Uh, then I had a conversation with a famous Major League Baseball player turned broadcaster late in 02, right after the Angels won the World Series. He didn't think Japanese guys could make an impact. Sure, Ichiro did well, but he didn't have faith that the Yankees will sign Matsui. And here we are, 11 years later, and man, did the guy prove himself wrong. John, I knew him as a, a humble, generous, solid guy by all accounts, but I have a bit of a bias because I am a Yankee fan, and uh, I understand you're not a Yankee fan. Uh, we'll get into that later on. But what, what, uh, how did he change the perception of Japanese hitters uh, uh, in, in MLB, Matsui. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. Um, I can't tell you exactly how the that, that the perception changed with Matsui. All I can tell you is, and and that's just because I was over here at the time, and I and of course I would hear uh, TV announcers talking about um, you know their their the way he swung and his uh, his. Uh, his approach to the game is his approach to hitting, but I think a lot of their their initial thoughts and impressions were a what they saw, so the eyeball test, and then b what they gained in terms of knowledge from other people. I don't think it was firsthand information because they, you know, of course, with the language barrier, they couldn't talk to him. But um, I can tell you that he was a long ball hitter over here from the start. I mean, he was a big he was a big to do in high school. And he was always a power hitter. He was always a slugger. And if he was able to change uh, the perception that Japanese players didn't come with a lot of power and didn't hit the ball hard, um, that's good because there are a lot of power hitters over here. Uh, they, in fact, there was another power hitter named uh, Norihiro Nakamura who had a short stint with the Dodgers, and he was a power hitter, he was a big-time power hitter over here. But he didn't. He didn't play with the Dodgers on the on the major league club for a long time. So, um, um, so yeah, I'm not sure if I'm answering the question or not. But how's that? That's fine. You know, did he did did Matsui impress you? What were your first thoughts of him? And compared to like Ichiro and other, really 
didn't see that many other Japanese position players or anyone named Godzilla with that type of power before. What, what, how, did, how do you feel? How'd you feel about him coming in? Well, you know, he, he came as advertised. Like John said, he was a tremendous power hitter over in Japan and, and every year putting up big numbers. Over here, it's a little different, a little bigger, a little tougher to hit home runs. But he proved to be a very good uh, power hitter, not, not, not to the magnitude as he was in Japan, but as he ended his Yankee career, he did what everybody you know expected in Japan, I would say, when he hit the home runs and had the big RBIs in the World Series. He was a great clutch hitter, great approach at the plate, smart hitter. I mean, he was fantastic. He was a great Yankee. Uh, he fit in with the Yankees. I hated to see him leave, but he should have retired then. He shouldn't have went and hung around here. He should have went back to Japan. Cause he was perfect for the Yankees. He's, he's a clutch professional hitter, played the game hard every day. You could see he had a great work ethic. Just seemed like everybody loved him, too, and he loved the, the Yankees. It was a nice mix for them. Uh, but there really haven't been many Japanese power hitters in America. Uh, and and Ichiro is, is the most unique hitter in the history of the game. You can't teach or, or, or copycat what Ichiro does. He, what he does is just different. And you're happy to have him on the team this year, Nino? And, and uh, do you want to move him up to the leadoff spot if somehow Jeter doesn't start the season? No. No, I don't think so. I think he's a nine-hitter now. I think you're going to leave him on the bottom. Unless, you know, the only problem I have is I'm not a big Gardner fan. I'd rather have Itchy Road than Gardner. But now they got two light plays. One's going to bat one, probably. One's going to bat nine. Whether they switch that around. I think they're going to move Jeter to two no matter what. I mean, that's my opinion. I don't know that. Obviously, I don't have any inside information. Uh, I love Jeter at two anyway. But, uh. With, with one of them at nine and one of them at one and two at two and that's a lot of speed, a lot of action, a lot of hit and run. Maybe one more and a run between now and the season starts. John, that's exactly Ichiro, what you go ahead. No, Ichiro's insane what he can do. But I love about Ichiro, which he'll never uh, he's still gonna prove to everybody and, and drop his batting average down to two forty, two fifty. But there are all times, man, when you see his eyes light up and he hits the home run. I mean, I, th- I really think he could hit 40 home runs for a choke. I, I, I think in Yankee Stadium he could hit 40 home runs if he really wanted to. He's average to take a hit. But, I mean, I watched him last year a couple of spots, and you know he was trying to hit a home run, and he did it. The guy's hand-eye coordination is second to none of anybody that's ever played Major League Baseball. His hands are ridiculous. John, we talked about this uh, last week when we met, and do you agree with this, that, that Ichiro is not a number one hitter anymore, is not a leadoff hitter anymore? Well, uh, he used to bat, you know, when he played in Japan, he batted uh, in the three hole. And, you know, a lot of teams like to put their absolute best hitter in the three hole and put a guy there who can, who can do whatever they need at the time. If they need some power, um, they, they need extra bases, or if they just need a hit. Uh, to, to knock in a run, that's a great place to have a guy uh, who comes up, you know, at least four times in a game. Um, but uh, the, 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 the kind of batter Ichido turned into when he went to the States, because he did adjust his game for the States, uh, and he wanted to be a, a, a leadoff hitter, but uh, as, as I talked to you about before, he, he doesn't walk. You know, if the pitches are, just like Mino was saying, you know, he's got great hand-eye coordination. If the pitch is in the strike zone, he can hit it, and he's real confident he's going to get the bat on it. 
So there's no reason really to let it go by um, when he can put it in play. So uh, he doesn't walk. So uh, conversely, his his on base percentage is not very is not very high. If he's batting three thirty three, his on base average is around three fifty three sixty somewhere in there. It's really hard to walk him uh, if you throw strikes. Now, if you really want to walk him, you can. So uh, yeah, I mean he, I, I don't really see him as a number one, you know, a, a leadoff batter just because of that. But if the Yankees decide, hey, look. Um, you know, I think I told you before. He puts a lot of he puts a lot of um, balls in play that probably he used to beat out for singles. I mean, before when he first got to Seattle, if he put a ball in the infield, uh, the middle infielders were hard pressed to throw him out at, at at first, just just on simple little ground outs or simple little ground balls. And he doesn't have that kind of speed anymore where he's going to beat out a lot of ground balls anymore. So I think. Uh, Geez, I'm looking at his stats here with Seattle, and the year, his first year, he he hit 350. His on base average was 381. Um, the next year, he hit 321. His on base average was 388. He only really had one season in Seattle where his on base average was over 400, and that was 2004. So um, he really doesn't draw a lot of walks. Um, and do you really want a guy up there who's He's probably not going to hit in the 350 range. He had a really good stint with the Yankees. He played well in the playoffs, but I still don't see him as a three-something hitter. He might be around 300 most of the season. Remember, that's an average, so he'll be under at times and he'll be over at times. But I think you know, if if he is a, if he is still a 300 hitter, he's still not going to walk a lot. So I don't know what, what the Yankees want at the top of their lineup. It's either they're going to have to change his approach. Mm-hmm. Or they're going to have to change him, or they're going to have to put him somewhere else. Could he be? Could they teach him to be more patient and and draw more walks, or it's just I like he's, I don't he's know an that old dog te- and forget about it? Yeah, I don't know that it's teaching him. It's just his approach is is I can hit the ball if it's in the strike zone. Mm-hmm. So are you going to tell him, hey, look, take more strikes? I mean, you know, it's just changing the the approach. I don't think it's teaching him anything, but. Take more strikes. If you get to two strikes, then then let's let's think about you know putting the ball in play if it's in the zone or if you think it's in the zone. Remember, Minnow said he the other thing he's great high hand eye coordination, but the other thing is he knows the strike zone really well and he learned the U.S. strike zone when he went over there because obviously it's different and it's different you know between the, the American League and the National League. So I think if he can get uh, to a point where he can take more strikes. If they ask him to take more strikes and work the count more, it's possible that he'll end up getting more pitches out of the strike zone in, you know, three, two counts. But do you really want him up there being passive? <laughs> no, no. No, he's not changing. Why would he change? He's too good. He's not changing. He's not looking at it. One of the things I noticed, which is a negative thing, and, and what John, exactly what John says, he, he, he at times just kind of, flips the bat out, tries to hit a ground ball, and he'll hit, he'll hit some of the weakest little pop-ups, the infield or short outfield, because exactly what he was saying it was that in years past, he just puts the ball on the ground, and it's a close play, or he beats it out. I don't know that he's lost that much speed. He's probably lost a step, but guess what? He's still a couple of big bases for the Yankees this year. He could still run. He's still going to get his share of infield hits if he puts the ball in play. But again... Uh, if you look at statistically and you want 
someone went on base percentage of 400 or above or whatever, which sometimes to me is misleading and overrated. Uh, I, if a guy's batting 350, I like him as a hitter. Uh, but I think he's I think he's more out to bat down, down, down the bottom of that lineup. Back back to uh, Matsui for a minute. Uh, John, Nino said he should have retired after 09, and we talked about this last week. You uh, Could you talk about that piece that you wrote on him when you were doing columns, you said, and you you know you pretty much uh, said the same thing. Sure. Um, what I, I went to Yankee Stadium. I went to visit the new Yankee Stadium in 2009 and part of, in part to talk to Matsui, and we sat down for a little while, and it's, it's good because I don't have to go through an interpreter, so it was, it was really... Uh, one-on-one kind of a thing where you can get to know the guy's personality. But I watched him work out before the game, and at the time he wasn't playing. He was he was you know injured. He had the bad knees, and this is a guy who obviously had you know he played in I think it was 1,720 odd consecutive games between Japan and and the U.S. and he had never gotten injured before. He had that that broken wrist injury that uh, put him out for a while, and then once that first injury came. And obviously he was older, you know, any, as you, some of you might know, once you, once you pass the age of 30, the body breaks down a lot easier and takes a lot longer to repair itself. But we sat down and, and I watched him practice and I talked to him and he wouldn't talk about anything. It was a contract year for him and he wouldn't, wouldn't touch on anything related to contract, you know, uh, topics. But um, I didn't like the way he was moving, even in the workouts before the game. I didn't like the way he was swinging. Um, he just looked like a guy who, if he, if he was going to get healthy, which he eventually did and helped the, helped the Yankees in the World Series. I, I think that was the year he was MVP, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, nine. Uh, correct. Oh, nine. Uh, the World Series MVP, that is. Yeah, World Series yeah. MVP. He... Uh, he certainly um, surprised me with, with the way he was able to come back, but that's only because they held him out for so long and they didn't put a lot of pressure on him to get back. Uh, they didn't really need it, and that was that was real helpful for him. So uh, I came back and I wrote a column saying that uh, you know Matsui's num- his days in the Big Apple are numbered. Um, he's taken his bite out of the Big Apple, and I think he swallowed, and he's digesting, and he, he's leaving. I don't, I didn't see why the Yankees would invest more money into a guy who wasn't going to help them on a daily basis because he was often injured. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the basis of this column that I wrote. And even though he turned out to be the World Series MVP, it was no shock to me that the Yankees said thank you for your services. Um, you know, I, I didn't see him coming back to Japan uh, under any circumstances because, A, he'd have to play in the Pacific League, which is uh, akin to the national, to the American League over here, uh, over there, and he would have, uh, he would only be able to DH is what I thought. And if he's only going to DH, uh, there's, there aren't really any prestigious teams that are the equivalent to the Yomiuri Giants. And... I didn't see him coming back to Japan to play at all. Um, you know, just to hang on to a career, just to be out there on the field. I, I didn't see that happening. Uh, I saw him, I figured that after 09, he'd play somewhere else, which he did, and he was he was a very average player. Um, and then last year with the Rays, <laughs> I think he was dead man walking. <laughs> uh, you know, his career was basically done. Nobody had told him yet. And the Yankees, the Rays are really... Um, 
I thought really gracious because they gave him an opportunity to play and they gave him an opportunity to prove that he was he was done. Uh, he didn't get a lot of uh, starts, but he got a lot of uh, plate appearances, which is what you need. And uh, you know he was he was pretty awful. And uh, I didn't think he would come back to Japan and play, and I, I turned out to be right on that front as well. They had, they had a parade for him in December '02 when he signed his contract with the Yankees. I read. Uh, did you were you there? Did you cover that? They had a big what? Uh, I read that they they had a parade for him in Tokyo in December 2002 when he signed with the Yankees. Did you cover that? Uh, no, I didn't hear about a parade. I didn't hear I, probably what they had was, and and I, I wasn't living in Tokyo at the time, and I didn't take this job until 2005. But um, what they did have was a big farewell, probably for him, a big send off because uh, Matsu was a, a very prized. He, he was a a very prized high schooler. Um, you know, he hit some sixty some odd home runs in high school, and they, if you can believe it, they tracked your home runs in in high school. So he had sixty, and then. Uh, at the big high school tournament, the national tournament that they play in Koshien in uh, the uh, Kansai area, the Kansai region down, down south, um, he came to the plate in a game and was walked five times intentionally. And uh, wow. he took he took the bat- bats very uh, prestigiously. I guess they said they were very impressed by the way he didn't uh, whine and pout, and his team ended up losing the game, and he answered questions he's a stand-up guy and he answered the questions from the media and then he went on to obviously be drafted by the Giants and he was very I mean he's had he's had such a long career in front of the media and being very gracious and and very articulate in terms of delivering a message to the people and to he's just very beloved by the entire I mean even even when I was in Nagoya living in the Nagoya area. I was a big Dragons fan, and and he would come and he'd bash home runs in their big spacious dome. Um, the only thing we could say was, geez, hurry up and get this guy out to the major leagues. He's too good for this league. And um, he's just – so it's, I, I can't tell you I didn't cover it. I, I, I can't tell you that there was a parade because he signed. It might have just been a send-off for him. Right. Nino, Nino, you still there? Yeah. Okay. Um, after he won the World Series MVP uh, in '09, he got up on the stage, he received the trophy, and some of the New York fans were a little bit, uh, some of the Yankee fans were making comments uh, about him not at least even saying thank you in English. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I understand it's not his language or anything, but as a New Yorker and a Yankee fan, you know, uh, d- did you want to at least see him? say a little something in English there? I mean, that was really his swan song to the to the Yankees. Uh, I'll, I'll be truthful with you. I, I could care less what, what language he talks. That, 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 makes, that makes no difference to me. Bottom line, he's a professional baseball player. He plays baseball. It seems to me he made that choice a long time ago that he wasn't going to speak English or publicly speak English. I'm sure he speaks some type of English to communicate with his his teammates and coaches and so on and, and his private life, whatever. But uh, I, I just think with him being so – did I lose you or you still there? Um, I just don't think I, – I, I, the way my perspective, I don't think he wanted to talk to the, to the, uh, to the reporters. You know, New York is insane. 
And with the Japanese players like Ichiro and him, not only do they deal with the Japanese uh, reporters, but, you know, in New York there's a billion guys. It's not like you're in Kansas City where there's three guys with microphones. Every night it's a, it's a, it's a circus. I just don't think he wanted to delve into that. I just think he wanted to do his things in Japanese, and it was just, it was the easiest way out or the least resistance for him. I could care less. I, you know what? I was there that night. There was nothing like it. The guy had a, a performance that you know very few guys had that opportunity that night. He was he you know he single handedly had the big hits uh, to win the World Series, and it was the place was electric. You know when he got the fans love him. I mean, he's, he's beloved by New Yorkers. Everybody always has an opinion. Most of them uh, are useless. Because, you know what, you're going to pick on a guy because you don't speak English on a podium? Who cares? I just won the World Series for you. So, you know what, I think I think the guy was a great, great professional hitter. Uh, he proved himself here, and I think, I think he's a great guy. And uh, I just wish... Like to me, again, in, in my selfish way, you know, he went on and played a couple of years, made a couple more millions of dollars. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at if that's what his motivation was or try to prove that he could still play. John pointed out last year he looked terrible uh, in Tampa. I mean, he was horrendous. I watched like a million games, as you know. I watched like you know, 20 games a night. Uh, it wasn't him. You know, it was, he was a shell of what he was. I just wish he would have walked off into the sunset with the World Series and the uh, MVP and just. I think his legacy, in a sense, would have been uh, greater. But you know what? In Japan, he's still going to be like one of the greatest players that's ever come out of there. And he's always going to be remembered as a great Yankee. But, uh, I, I, you know, people are always going to knock down a guy. Or whether he, they, always, they always find a reason to knock down a, a guy. So if, if, if that's what they're knocking him down about not saying thank you in, in, in English, then so be it. Well, G- Jer- and I'm Jer- out, fellas. Okay. Thanks, Nuno. John, great talking to you, bud. John? Yeah. You still there? I'm here. Okay. Uh, John, getting back to getting back to Matsui and what Nino said was thanks a lot, Nino, by the way. Uh, and have a happy new year. Um, John? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Okay. Okay, he's gone. Okay, getting back to uh, Jeter and you know, called Matsui one of his greatest teammates and and praised him for dealing with the media and, and the fans in Japan and New York. He had a lot of pressure, and he went about his business uh, professionally. Um, what what happened with with um, Matsui when he left the Giants? I understand they were disappointed, and I don't know, you know, maybe he fell out of graces with them and not sure of his future with the Giants. Um, can you talk about that, and do you know anything about that? Um, no, I really can't. I, I wasn't. I wasn't in Tokyo at the time, and I, I don't think he fell out of good graces with the with the Giants. Uh, I mean, when he announced his retirement last week, um, so many of the former Giants and his former manager and everyone came out with so many words of praise, and um, I, I can't say that he fell out of good graces with the Giants. Um, he had, you know, very. If you ask me, they should have let him go to the states a little bit before um, before he did. But did he request uh, a posting? I can't tell you that if he, okay. if he requested a posting or not. But I mean, he he, he should have been. Um, he would have made the he would have made the team a lot of money. But his his last year, I mean, he hit he hit fifty home runs. Yeah, that was I his mean, best you know. year home run wise ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Um, 
and and he drove in. It wasn't a career high, but the, it was one shy of his career high with the 107 RBIs. I mean, he drew 114 walks. He he hit 334. His on base percentage was 461. I mean, it, how can you hate a guy like that when he's leaving? You know he's leaving, and he has a he's you know probably arguably his best season ever with your club. I mean, uh, but I can't talk to you about that because I was in Nagoya at the time and and um I was just so glad to see him go <laughs> because I knew he was I, I thought he was going to be a really good pro in in Major League Baseball and I wanted Major League Baseball to see this kind of hitter come from Japan so I, I was excited to see him go to the States I actually thought um obviously with Nomo being posted in and sent and you know they working out that that whole thing in 1994-95 so that he could go and pitch for the Dodgers. Um, I, I was assuming that Matsu would go immediately after, but I, I think if anything, he wanted to go early and the team didn't let him, but he still had a, a fantastic year, the year that we knew he was going to be a free agent and was going to be available for the United States. Well, they talked about him managing the Giants eventually. Is that still talked about? Is that Has that come up now that he's retired? I, I don't see him as a manager, managerial type. Uh, if they want him to be the guy who goes out and meets the press and and deals with the, the media and does interviews and stuff like that, I think he, he'd be great for that. But personality-wise, in, in terms of being a manager, I don't see that. You know, obviously, I can't. I haven't talked to him about it. I haven't. I haven't read anything about it. Um, I don't. I don't anticipate it happening. But that's that's my impression is that I don't see him as the managerial type. John, what is it like to go to a Japanese baseball game? Because there's a lot of people out there that uh, will never have the opportunity to go to say Tokyo Dome or Koshien or anything like that. Can you walk someone through that experience compared to a Major League Baseball game? Well, um, compared to a Major League Baseball game, everything is a little bit more. Uh, organized in terms there's still some parks in Japan where you have general seating so you have to line up you have to get there early and race if you can imagine to the in the outfield uh, area and race to get a spot to sit down and some of them they don't even have they don't even have bleacher seats out there you just they just have an open kind of a yard area some, similar to some of the parks that you might see in um, in the winter uh, in the states or in spring training and um, so that's the first thing that might strike you. And then when you come in and you 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 see a fence around the infield to protect fans from getting hit by you know foul balls that might dart into the into the infield stand infield seats, that's kind of shocking. And then you'll see a lot of different food that you know not, none of the food you might recognize, or even if you recognize it, the taste is completely <laughs> completely different. Um, the parks seem to be smaller, and they kind of play smaller at times because in some areas it's really cold. Uh, the ball doesn't carry, uh, particularly out there where the Eagles, the Nakuten Eagles play in, in, in Sendai. And you might remember Sendai and Tohoku from the big earthquake that hit. Uh, now it was, yeah, uh, a year and a half ago, so uh, almost two years ago now. And then um, the players are a little bit smaller, uh, the parks, like I said, are smaller, and the cheering, the way of cheering is much different. Um, you know, when we, we scream when our the home team is batting and or whether it's uh, in the field defending, 
uh, were screaming, hey, that's a strike or something like that. And, and the Japanese, they have music, they have bands, they have cheering sections. It seems like some of the people aren't even watching the baseball game. They're, they're there to work and, and do the cheering part portion. And they play a lot of music. So there's always music going on with the home team batting, with the, the visiting team has a band and their cheering section. And when they're batting, those people are playing music. So there's always, you know, there's always a, a, a rhythm and a beat in the outfield going on. And you, you, the team doesn't always cheer and make, you know, uh, get on the umpires about balls and strikes when they're when their home team is defending in the field they just kind of sit there and and watch the game is that <laughs> is that cultural or japanese just more polite than americans I, I just think it's the way the game evolved here so yeah it's it's a cultural thing where at first uh they probably it probably was really quiet because in japan people are are basically known as being very shy now i don't know i'm i'm speaking you know off the cuff here because I, I obviously wasn't here but i can i can imagine that in the beginning it was just too quiet and so they started cheering all in unison because it's a group oriented society and to cheer in unison would be a lot easier than to stand up and you know as as we would do in the states hey you bum stop striking out you know <laughs> we would say something like that they, now, they are would, you making you know, funny yankee fans there john <laughs> no no mets fan <laughs> oh, okay mets yeah okay there you go <laughs> you grew up as a dodgers fan uh basically yeah yeah that, that was the the first team i was uh introduced to Okay, but now that you got all this money and this, you know, this great team on paper, you think people will start showing up on time and leaving after the seventh inning? Well, you know, that's a cultural thing too, and 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 the idea that people are leaving after the seventh inning, no matter what the score is, is is a fallacy. I can tell you that um, depending on the game situation, uh, and people come from so far or so far away to watch these games. That's the one thing is a lot of people don't understand that. Between the the Bay Area where the Oakland and and San Francisco teams are, mm-hmm. and Los Angeles, there's there's like you know six hours of 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 stretch of freeway where some of these people come to games. Yeah, you know, um, and if you have to fight two hours to or an hour to get out of the parking lot, and then you have an uh, X hour number, you know, X hour drive in front of you, yeah, it, it behooves you to leave at a certain time. You know, hey, nine o'clock. We're leaving, you know, regardless of what the score is and everything, depending on what you have to do the next day. So um, I understand that people have, you know, coming late, you know, when you're stuck in traffic, you can't you can't fly in on a helicopter, you know. And and so they get they get they might get there late because these games, especially weekday games, are hard to get to. But then uh, leaving leaving early, I understand too. I can tell you that there uh, the many games that I went to at Dodger Stadium, I only left one early, and um, you know we put the game on in the in the car, and and we listen. You know we put it on the radio and and we listen. So it's not like it, it, certainly we're not there at the park, but they stopped selling. You know the concessions have stopped selling. There's really not not much you can do. Um, then when I started covering games. I remember this one story, um, you know, I was covering a game and the Dodgers had a lead and some pitcher walked a couple guys and David Justice, you, you would probably remember, yeah. hits a game tying home run and this game goes way into the night and uh, it finally ended sometime after midnight and Tommy Lasorda decided, well, you know, he, he was the manager at the time and I guess he decided maybe he made a mistake in the, in the pitcher who he brought in, so he bought all the media guys pizza. 
uh, and sent it up to the press box. Now, you know, we were fine and good, but what about the fans? <laughs> the fans who thought they were the game was over and the ones who stuck around and waited till the end. And, and this thing ended, I think they ended it, um, uh, they called the game because it went too late or something like that. I can't remember exactly. I have to look up my story because I was a member of the media at the time. And uh, uh, but they had to call off the game and, and take it up the next day or something like that, I think. I'm not sure. I think and I know what it was. By the time deadline came around, there was there was still no score. There was still no final score. So I had to write a story about how the teams were, were tied late into the night. <laughs> and who, who were you writing for at the time, John? writing for a paper out in Ontario, which has since merged with another paper. But um, I think it's, it was the Inland Valley Daily Bulletin, which was part of the Ontario uh, Daily Report. For those of the fans who don't know John, John is uh, host of one of my favorite podcasts, uh, Japan Baseball Weekly, and uh, also writer for Yamiuri Giants. John, how do uh, people get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, I'm a writer for the Yomiuri Daily. Sorry, and Yomiuri the, Daily. Oh, that's that's fine. That. Yeah, you can just you know, put put my professional name in there, which is John E. Gibson. If you do a Google search, you'll come up with uh, with my name. And then on iTunes, you can find our our podcast, uh, Japan Baseball Weekly. Uh, we made we named it that so that if people do searches on Japan Baseball, that it would come up. <laughs> good, good marketing. And uh, and you can read our stories at uh, the. At, on the Yomiuri, the daily Yomiuri the English sites. If you just punch in Yomiuri, that's Y-O-M-I-U-R-I. If you punch that in, then you will uh, find the URL and you can read some of the stories. But we haven't done very much during the off season. I'll I'll begin writing some more during the during the season. So in March, late March, when the season kicks off, we'll get back going. Are you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter at uh, dy baseball. Dy baseball. I have to add you. Why baseball? Yeah. So your uh, your best memory of Matsui, whether it's in the clubhouse, or you're interviewing him, or a play, or anything like that. How will you remember him? I will memory? remember yeah. him for, uh, and I wish I could tell you the year. I think it was 1988. I'll, I'll look it up maybe as we as we speak here. He came to Nagoya uh, as part of the uh, All Star team for the Central League. And remember, they they play multiple games. Uh, multiple all-star games. They're not just one in Japan. They they play at least two, sometimes three. One of the games was in Nagoya. I think it was, I'm going to say 88. Um, I'm making it up here. <laughs> but uh, 88, 89, somewhere in there. And uh, Matsui, you know, Ichido was the big draw, of course, because everywhere he went, hordes of media would follow him and surround him. And he was the big draw but Matsui was the other big ticket, and um, in the game, uh, he hit a home run in the Goya Dome that I didn't think. This is a spacious dome. I, I, I know many people haven't been there, of course, but if you can, if you can imagine a, a U.S. style, a U.S. size stadium um, enclosed. I mean, it's a, it's a massive stadium. Very, it's cavernous in the outfield, and huge fences and. The ball doesn't carry, and there's an upper deck in the back wall. Um, if you can imagine, maybe the upper deck at, at uh, Yankee Stadium, the upper deck in right field, he probably hit a ball that would the equivalent would go up to the top row of the upper deck at Yankee Stadium. Wow. 
that's how far he hit a ball. And he hit it off a pretty good pitcher. And, and I remember the pitcher just standing there shaking his head and uh, in disbelief at the, at the way that Matsui hit this ball. And uh, that was my biggest memory of him. And that, that, it was at that time that I said, you know what, this, this guy's too good for this league. He needs to, uh, he needs to get out of here. And I, I think it was, I, I'm, making, I'm mistaken here, I think it was like 90, 95, 95, 96, somewhere in there. Okay, still a while before he left. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he was too good. Mm-hmm. Way too good. And that, that's my, you know, of course, I've talked to him a couple couple times. Um, I wasn't, I didn't have this job when he was playing. Uh, I took this job in 2005, so I didn't cover him, didn't cover him while he was playing with the Giants. But uh, I do have those memories. Well, he's got a nice pension waiting for him. I actually spoke to Don Namora about that. He didn't, I don't know if he got the 10 year. Don wasn't sure if he got the 10 years service in which would get him the full pension in MLB, but uh, Don thought he came close to it. Do they have a pension for him waiting in Japan? Um, I can't tell you that. I think uh, basically um, he, he played out you know, his, his service in, in Japan, his nine years of uh, the service that you're supposed to put in, that, that service time. Um, I would imagine he's going to get something. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you guys, uh, the, the baseball world has lost Godzilla to um, retirement, and uh, it was a privilege to watch him, and I actually got to see him a little bit off the field, too, working with uh, Fox, um, and he just was a gentleman the whole way. That's how I'll remember him, and uh, that unbelievable World Series where he hit over 16, uh, excuse me, 600 with three home runs, two other guys only did that before then, Ruth and Gehrig, so that's pretty good company to be in. I don't know if he'll get in the Hall of Fame, uh, probably not, didn't have enough years in MLB, but he, he'll, I'm sure he'll get into the, uh, there is a Japanese Hall of Fame, right? Yes, there is, and I think he'll be in, in you know, as soon as, he's got to wait five years, yep. uh, but then he'll, he'll be in, I'm sure. Well, John, I want to have you on again, I know you have to go, I feel like we, uh, we just like touch the surface on what we need to talk about. I uh, hope you'd come on again, and I will keep listening. And I'm going to send an MP3 question into your podcast. Thank you very much. I'll okay. be waiting for it, buddy. John, thanks a lot. Have a great day. And keep Anytime. running. Thank you. Good luck with the running. Thank you. <laughs> All right, John. Take, Take care. care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. You got it. Okay, that was uh, John Gibson, friend of mine. Uh, writer in Japan who covers Japanese baseball. Uh, we're out of time for this week on ComingToAmericaBaseball.com. Uh, go to ComingToAmericaBaseball.com. Go to Twitter, ComingToAmerbb, uh, and uh, you can reach me there. And also, we will announce uh, show times when we'll be um, uh, recording, and you can uh, Skype us and join in we'll take callers that'll be coming soon uh skype is p-s-r-i-c-c we'd love to have you or you can actually uh call in uh by phone we'll give your phone number out there uh in the future but uh have a great day uh enjoy the uh last few months of the off season i can't wait we're uh, only uh, about five six weeks away from spring training and mlb And uh, baseball is just around the corner. Happy New Year, everybody. That's it from Korea. 
My name is Philip Riccobono, and you have listened to the Coming to America Baseball.com broadcast. Bye-bye.